Before we get to the message today, I want us to take a quick minute to talk about some mission opportunities that are coming your way, three mission opportunities, and I've asked April to be up here to help me um, talk about that. First of all, we have a mission opportunity right now today. April, tell us about it. Good morning. Thank you, Kevin. Yes, so today is Sanctity of Life Sunday, and you can be a part of it. So out in the commons... Alpha Pregnancy Care Center has a table with some baby bottle banks. I think most of you have seen them before. I got mine. Kevin already has his. So if you could just pick one of those up on the way out and collect over the next month or so, you can put coins, dollars, even checks in there to help us support Alpha as they support life. Listen, Alpha does a great job not only celebrating life, but protecting life. We want to encourage you to be a part of that. And then the next thing is in two weeks. It's on February the 4th. When did I say it was going to be? February the 4th. Just want to make sure you make sure that you get that. We are having a missions luncheon. April, tell us about it. Yes, and there are 60 of you already signed up. So Great. plenty of room for more. So please register. It is a family-friendly event, but just make sure you register for each member of your family that's coming. We're going to talk about all the ways to serve this year. You can be on a prayer team. You can advocate. You can serve and maybe even go on a mission trip, some of you for the first time. So please join us right after the third service on February the 4th. So if you want to know more about missions coming this year, February the 4th is the day that you want to be here. After the third service, we encourage you to sign up. And then the next thing you do not want to miss next Sunday is the favorite Sunday of the year. It is out of the box. April, tell us what's up with out of the box this year. Okay, so out of the box, every year the feedback is that you love it. Um, This is where we pack meals to give to people with food insecurities. We've upped our commitment this year. We're going to be packing 55,000 meals, and it doesn't cost you anything because of all the generosity from December to the end of your mission offering. So just show up ready to work, come to your regular service, and when it dismisses, go to Heritage Christian Academy, and we'll pack meals with Barnabas Charities. Again, family-friendly, so please take your children when you go, and if you'd like to volunteer and help coordinate and direct people next Sunday morning, please email me this week. All right, out of the box next week, lots of opportunity. We want to encourage you to be a part of it all. And listen, for out of the box, a couple of things. It would be really cool if you all would all wear your New Work Fellowship t-shirts. We're going to be taking lots of pictures, lots of video, those kind of things. So that would be helpful. And listen, that is one of the best Sundays of the year to invite a friend, one of your three people that are not involved in church because when they come and they're a part of out of the box, they go, I didn't know church could be like this. So this is a huge opportunity for you this week to reach out to them. So all of these mission opportunities are before us. Let's take a minute to pray for those and then we'll jump right in on the message. God, you have called us to be on a mission with you. And Father, we thank you for opportunity upon opportunity to be a part of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and his ministry and mission around the world and close at home. And so we just give you thanks for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, can I say that it just feels really good to be in the pulpit this Sunday? What a crazy week I had. Uh, we went away for preaching planning retreat where I plan out all that is coming in the year to come. And let me tell you, it was just a crazy week. We had a tornado, literally a tornado, lots of debris, lots of destruction all around us, loss of power, cold temperatures. And I know 
I heard y'all had some cold weather here this week as well, single digits and snow and ice. But let me just tell you, you've not been cold until you've been like Florida cold. You hear me? I mean, it was in the 40s and the 50s, and it was freezing. We never got to go to the beach one day, put our toes in the sand, nothing like that. High wind, it was awful. You guys should have felt sympathy for us. It, it, was, it was a strange week, but again, let me tell you, it's amazing to me how, how, this, how God works in these weeks. They go away, and He is so faithful uh, to give the direction for the next year. I want to thank every one of you that took time to either send me an email or to answer the survey and provide ideas and thoughts and questions and suggestions and just some of the heart burdens that you carry. That process always begins by me going through and reading through every one of those, praying over all of those and watching for themes as the Holy Spirit guides and directs and uh, shows me the way forward. Now this year we have been in um, talking about New Year, New Year, or New Year, New You, rather. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Eva Self did an incredible job as she shared the story in, of Abigail. You know, if ever there's a story in the Bible that talks about the reality that you can have a new beginning wherever you are, man, what a powerful message that was. And a big thank you as well uh, to Max Sturdivant, who spoke last week, talked about the story of the woman at the well, a beautiful picture that God gives us about how you can change direction. So we talked about new year, new beginning, new year, changing direction, and today we're going to talk about new year, same gospel. The truth is not everything needs to change in a year. Some things are for your good for all time. And the gospel is one of those things. It is for your good. Now, gospel, I know, that, that's one of those churchy words that I doubt that you ever say unless you are in a faith conversation with somebody. But the word gospel just simply means good news. And the good news that we need to hear today begins with our good heavenly Father. I mean, we've been singing about His goodness and His love all through through this service if you were paying attention. Now, I am very aware that the word Father can conjure up all kinds of images in our lives. I am very aware that maybe there is not a person in the room that has not experienced some nature of a father wound. You know, being a father can be tough. And you know, when we're little, when we are young, it's like we almost look at our fathers as some kind of superhero, right? I mean, it seems when you're little that, that they can't do anything except almost serve like some kind of hero. They, they can be amazing. In fact, watch this video of some dads at their best. Oh, oh, got her. <laughs> Kid lifting weights. What could possibly go wrong, right? Oh, just in time. Not even paying attention. 
Nice shot coming. <laughs> All it takes is a moment. Listen, fathers can be incredible and amazing. But like I said, I also know that that word father can lead to a lot of heartache. You don't have to look very far to find epic fails for fathers. Do you realize that right now in our country, there are 18.4 million kids who are growing up in fatherless homes? That's one in four. And you've heard all of the sociological statistics. If dad is not in the home, there are two times the risk of infant mortality. There are four times the risk that that child's going to grow up in poverty. They're more likely to have behavioral problems and end up in juvenile delinquency. They are more likely to experience a greater degree of violence in their childhood and participate in violence as they grow. I know that in this room there are people that have significant and deep father wounds. But you know, it strikes me that another fallout from that reality is that it also kind of contributes to a spiritual poverty. I mean, think of it this way. The reality is, how can we understand our heavenly Father, God Himself, if our earthly dads leave so much to be desired? Listen, on a Sanctity of Life Sunday, I want you to know we're not just in favor of life for babies that are in the womb. We, we are concerned and advocate for all of life, for all kids to make a difference for them. And the truth is, God does too. It's one of the things that's near the heart of God. Uh, listen to Psalm 68, verse 5. It says this, God in His holy dwelling is a father to the fatherless. That's who our God is. In fact, Jesus, when He talked about God, the term father was His favorite term to use to teach us about who God is. 65 times in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he refers directly to God as Father. 40 times in the gospel of John. But what does it mean? What does it mean that God is our Father? Because let me tell you, that is key if you want to understand this good news that is for all time. You know, when I think about my dad, there are many different images and seasons that come to mind, and it's almost like a collage of, of all of those moments of my dad's life. And the more I understand, and I remember all those snapshots that are now memories of him, I understand him better. And listen, to really understand this good news of our Heavenly Father, you need to see a bunch of pictures of what God really is like. And so today I want to show you four snapshots to help you understand who 
your heavenly Father is. We're going to be in four different scripture passages, so I want to encourage you to open your Bibles and follow along. We're going to start in Genesis 3. That's close to the beginning of the book. You should be able to find that pretty quickly. And then we're going to go to Psalm 17, and then the next Psalm, Psalm 18, and then we're going to end up in Luke chapter 15. But for now, we're going to read from Genesis chapter 3. Now, by the way, if we've not yet met, let me introduce myself to you. My name's Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here and if we haven't met listen I would love to meet you in the commons after the service just so I can know your name shake your hand we get to know each other a little better and let me invite and remind all of you uh, to be sure and complete your digital connect card that's how we stay in touch that's how we communicate get all those prayer concerns from you so make sure you do that as well well in Genesis 3 we're going to meet this first um, encounter of God our Father. So if you would begin reading with me in verse 8, and this is what God's Word says. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees, and when the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, It was the woman you gave to me uh, that gave the fruit to me, and I ate it. And then the Lord God asked the woman, What have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Now let me set the context if you don't remember the story. Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. They are people living in paradise. And then they messed up. They disobeyed. They sinned. And they blew it. And what does God do? Well, like a good father, he comes to find out what happens. God the Father shows up, and you would think he's coming to set things straight. You know, when I was a little kid and I was growing up, uh, there were few things that struck more fear into my life than those few times when I would hear my mom say those eight words that every child does not want to hear. You just wait until your father gets home. Anybody else ever hear those words when you were a kid? Now, let me tell you, we didn't hear it a lot because my mom, she was scrappy. She's raising four boys. She didn't take anything off of us. She was small, but she was fierce. And you just kind of had to push her to that breaking point. But if you pushed her across that line, she would say, you just wait until your father gets home. And I tell you, it would put the fear of God into our hearts and our lives. When you read this experience out of Eden, it would get, it'd be easy to get the idea that that's kind of what's happening. They've messed up. They've disobeyed. They've blown it. They've ruined paradise. And here comes God to set things right. But there's a little detail I don't want you to miss in verse 8 that's so important for understanding this snapshot of the Father. It says, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. The Father came walking in the garden. 
And the walking that it's talking about is not like a father who is coming stomping into the room. Rather, it's a word that suggests intimacy and fellowship. And what's happening here is there is this verb tense with that word walking that represents present and ongoing action. It is giving the connotation that this is the ongoing activity that had always been happening in the garden. God came walking not because he is ready to lower the boom on them, He came walking because that's what God did with them. He walked with them. He walked with them through life. And the point I want you to get is this. Our Father, our Heavenly Father, He is a Father who walks with you. And that's good news. Because let me tell you, whatever you're facing, wherever you find yourself today, whatever you're going through, He is not going to abandon you. He's going to walk with you just like he walked with them. Deuteronomy 23, 14 says, For the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp. In other words, wherever you are settled in right now, he comes to be with you. That's just one picture. Now, the second picture is over in Psalm 17. So if you would, turn in your scriptures there to Psalms 17. And we're going to read beginning with verse 6. The psalmist writes this about his heavenly Father. He says this, I'm praying to you because I know you will answer, O God. Bend down and listen as I pray. Show me your unfailing love in wonderful ways. By your mighty power, you rescue those who seek refuge from their enemies. Guard me as you would guard your own eyes. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Do you see that word, listen, in verse 6? It's actually a word picture. In fact, a lot of the words in the Hebrew language were word pictures. They meant something literally that kind of gives you an image. And that word literally means to stretch out your ear. You ever seen anybody stretch out their ear in order to hear, lean in and listening? That's the picture here of your father. He is stretching out his ear to you in order to hear you so that he doesn't miss a thing. I can still remember when my girls were little preschoolers and my grandmother was still living and she she was in her late 80s and then into the early 90s uh, when these events would happen. We would go to her house and I would take my little girls and you know how little girls are in preschool years. They have those real high, little high-pitched voices and they talk real fast. And, And I can still remember seeing my grandmother when they would come and my grandmother would just lean in. She would stretch her ear in order to listen to those little voices and the cruel twist of fate in life is that now I'm the grandfather who's you know doing the same thing leaning in stretching my ear trying to hear what it is that my grandkids say to me but listen God doesn't stretch his ear to you because he has some kind of hearing deficiency 
He's stretching his ear as a reflection of his heart devotion. You see, you need to know this about your God, your Father. He is a Father who stoops down to listen to you. And that is good news. Do you see this picture that's developing? You have a heavenly Father who wants to walk with you. You have a heavenly Father who is attentive to you. 1 John 5, 14 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God, the Father, seeks a relationship with you. He attends to you. But there's another snapshot we need to see, and it's in the very next chapter, Psalm 18. So just turn over your page or look over on that other page, and we want to to hear about this father. On the one hand, we have a very attentive and we have a very tender father who bends down to listen. He stretches his ear. He, He walks with us. But this next picture, well, it it may actually make you tremble a little bit because this is how the psalmist describes our father chapter 18 beginning with verse 7 and he says this is what God is like then the earth quaked and trembled and the foundations of the mountains shook they quaked because of his anger Smoke poured from his nostrils. Fierce flames leaped from his mouth. Glowing coals blazed forth from him. He opened the heavens and came down. Dark storm clouds were beneath his feet. Mounted on a mighty angelic being he flew. Soaring on wings of the wind, he shrouded himself in darkness, veiling his approach with dark rain clouds. Thick clouds shielded the brightness around him and rained down hail and burning coals. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded amid the hail and burning coals. He shot his arrows, scattered his enemies. Great bolts of lightning flashed, and they were confused. Ooh, that's that's a different daddy picture, isn't it? Sounds like he's angry, storming, raging. And may some of you, maybe some of you are thinking, ah, oh, now that's, that's a picture of a father that I remember. Maybe your father was angry. Maybe you grew up walking around on eggshells because you never knew exactly what it was that was going to set off the next explosion. Let me just confess to you today. Those little girls of mine with the high-pitched voices, they grew up seeing far too much anger expressed to them from their father. And I deeply regret and have remiss about that season. But that is the truth. They know what an angry dad looks like. But you need to understand this snapshot that we just read about this father. 
it's really not about a father who just has a short fuse set the context you got to go back to verse 1 of Psalm 18 and listen to what it says the psalmist writes I love you Lord you are my strength the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my Savior. My, my God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and He saved me from my enemies. You see, David is not really writing about an angry, raging father. What he is expressing is love for a father who came to his rescue. Now, an interesting thing about Psalms 18 is this is actually the second time that you can find it in the Bible. The first time is back in 2 Samuel chapter 22. And what's going on in chapter 22 of 2 Samuel is this. David, King David, is now dying and he is reflecting back, thinking about the journey of his life and all the things that have happened to him in life. And he sings this song out of celebration of what God has done for him throughout all the journey of life, how God always came to his rescue. But that's not even when, when David wrote this psalm. The psalm itself tells us that he sang this song to the Lord on the day that the Lord rescued him. And specifically, he's talking about when King Saul was hunting David down, when King Saul was trying to kill, kill him. And David wrote this psalm to say, my heavenly father is like a superhero who rips open the sky and comes to my rescue because that's who he is. He says, when God showed up, the earth quaked and trembled because of his anger, smoke poured from his nostrils. Flames leap from his, from his mouth. He rips open heaven itself and charges to the earth. The Lord thundered from heaven. You see, this isn't a picture of a God who is, of a father who is angry or frustrated with his kid. This is a picture of a father who rises to the fight to protect his child. You need to make no mistake about it. There is a wrath and there is an anger that we need to understand about God, but it is the wrath and the anger of a protective defender. Your father God rises to the fight for you because God is for you. He rises to the fight on your behalf. It's been years and years ago now. I remember Diana was out of town, and Allison was still living in the home. And, and so on this particular night, just me and Allison are there in the house. And she'd been out, and I'd gone to bed, and I'd gone to sleep. And we kind of had this rule. If you come in late and we're asleep, you'd wake us up. You let us know that you're in the house. And so that's what she did. She came in the room and woke me up. Daddy, I'm home. All right. And so she went on down the hall to her room, and I, I laid back down and went to sleep. And, and I don't know how much longer, but some point um, later, I had fallen asleep. And then I awoke when I heard something strange that was not right in the house. And I remember I was laying there kind of 
halfway between sleep and awake, trying to figure out exactly what did I hear? What was it that, that woke me up? And as I lay there in that moment, that's when I saw it. I could see out into the hallway, and I saw very clearly a shadow move across the wall. And it was headed down that hallway where Allison's room was. And I remember my heart started to race. Nobody else was in the house. Did you ever wonder what you would do? How you would respond in a moment like that? Well, I found out how I would respond. All of a sudden, in an instant, with just this guttural rage, I rose up out of that bed and into that hallway, and I was in attack mode, and I went through those doors. Aah! And that's when I hear this high-pitched little voice saying, Daddy, Daddy, it's just me. It's just me. I was thirsty. I got, I got a drink of water. Let me tell you, you do not get up and get a drink of water in my house. Do you see this picture of your father? This is why your father hates sin so much. He knows how destructive it is to you. Do you see this picture of your father? That's why he hates death so much. He rises to the fight for you. This is your father. There's one other picture that you can't miss. And it's in Luke chapter 15. It's the story that we call the story of the prodigal son. But let me tell you, it's really the story of the loving father. It's a very familiar story. A son says to his father, Dad, I want my inheritance right now. And let me tell you, in that world, that was the same as saying to his father, Dad, I wish you were dead. The crazy thing about the story Jesus tells is the father says, All right. I'll give you your inheritance. And of course, we always know what's going to happen, right? You have a young child with too much freedom, too many temptations, too much money, not enough accountability, not enough responsibility, and he burns through it all, loses everything. And then when life has finally humbled and humiliated him, the story says in verse 17, he came to his senses. You know what he remembered? He remembered his father. And he thought about home. And he wondered if he could go home. Now you need to understand that this involved huge risk in that day. In first century Judaism, there was this community ritual that was called Kezazah. And it involved everybody in the town. This was this ritual that if there was a son or a daughter in the family that had abandoned the family, had gone off to live among Gentiles and wasted their family fortune, and then they came home, it was the responsibility of the entire community to go out and perform this ritual, kezazah. And kezazah literally means the cutting off. 
And it was a way of protecting those family members, those parents from doing what everybody knew had to be done. And what would happen when they would cut off someone is if a disgraced son or daughter came home, the community would rush out to the village gate and they would stand in front of that rebellious child and they would take a pot or they would take a bowl and they would smash that bowl and they would, they would say together, Kezazar, you are cut off from your people. And that's what they would do. And let me tell you, those people that were listening to Jesus tell this story, they knew that's how the story ends. That's how the story has to end. But then Jesus tells a different story, a different ending, beginning with verse 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast, for this son of mine was dead, and he is now returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. So the party began what an unexpected ending to the wayward child and let me encourage you to not overlook verse 20 where it says that he ran the father ran to him listen you just need to understand that was unheard of in that world I mean men did not run in public in that culture. It wasn't considered dignified. It was, it was actually kind of humiliating, actually. I mean, you need to think about what they wore, right? I mean, they wore tunics, right? Closest thing we have to a tunic is, you know, like a bath, bathrobe. Well, how are you going to run in all of that? Well, let me tell you what they would do. For a guy to be able to run in all of that, he would have to reach down, and he would grab the bottom of his tunic, and he'd have to pull it up, and he was in a hurry, so he didn't have time to tie it. And so what you have is a picture of this father who goes off running like this to get to his son. And let me ask you, what grown man would ever do anything like that in public? You get the point? It's humiliating. And that's exactly the point that Jesus was making. This man was not concerned about anybody else in the community. The only thing he was concerned about was there was a wayward child who was far away, who was coming close, and he was going to run to him to bring him home. He was going to close the distance. 
And let me tell you, if you've ever had anybody in your life that you loved and they wandered far away and you had a moment to close the distance, you would run to them as well. You hurry to them. Nothing can stand in the way. Coming home is the longing of every heart. And don't miss this. That's your heavenly Father. He is watching for you to make a turn so he can run to you. You know what? It kind of reminds me of videos like this that tug at the heart and remind us of what it's like when somebody far off is close to home. Watch these videos. those get me every time do you understand that's the picture that Jesus painted of your heavenly father and don't miss this message Jesus is telling us that you have a heavenly father who runs to you he runs to you he stands ready to run yet again he watches closely for any sign of your turning he bends his ear so that he can hear the first whisper of your heart as you turn to him in repentance he is ready to go to war for you he runs to you and listen friends when the day comes and it will come to every one of us when life here on earth comes to our end, in the hour when death closes in, this heavenly Father will yet again run to you in order to bring you home. Imagine what it will be like when God, your Father, runs to you. That's what I want you to see is the good news of this gospel. We have a God in heaven who will run to you Father it's a word that means different things to different people it's a word laden with hurt and pain and it's a word filled with longing and hope Father captures our highest ideals and plunges us into the depths of disappointment Father, we want a father. We fear our father. We tremble before our father. We long to hear our father's words of blessing. You are loved. Of you, I am proud. In you, I find joy. Father, we cry out. There is a father. A father who is all and more than we could ever long for. A father who is more than we've ever known. 
a father who is fully there and aware of all we are, yet can become. He longs to walk with us on this journey. He calls to you, come with me, come to me, walk with me. I am your creator. I am your maker. I am your father. And this father, he bends his ear to you. Not a word is missed, not a syllable is lost. His attention is relentless, and his retention is everlasting. And this father, your father, is a strong father. He rises to your defense. He stands by your side. He watches over you. He is mighty. He is powerful. He roars to your defense. Father, we cry out to you. And this father, your father, he comes to you. Not just comes to you. He runs to you. He runs to you. He runs to you. He runs to you. And on that day that ends all days, when the struggle of this life has ended, he runs to me. One final time and for all eternity, he sweeps me off my feet and wraps me in mercy, blankets me in forgiveness. And today, as you cry out to him, he runs to you. There's one other thing about this father that Jesus said you need to know. In very clear terms, he said, no one comes to the father except through me. The way to the father is through the son. And listen, I I want to appeal to you today to turn to Jesus Christ in faith. You may not have all the answers. You may not understand it all. But God the Father loved you so much that he sent God the Son, Jesus, into this world to take the penalty that you and I could not pay when he died on that cross so that we could earn the entrance into heaven that we could not afford. And all who put their faith in Jesus Christ become the children of God. If you've not yet made that decision, let me invite you today to just take the first step. Just come to the Father. He'll see you. He'll meet you the rest of the way. Trust Him. Come to Jesus Christ, and He will bring you to the Father. So as we sing this song of response, let me invite you to stand. I'm going to be here at the front. If there's anybody here in this room today that wants to confess Christ, you want to put your faith in Him. You want to nail it down and say, I'm coming to the Father. I'm going to be right here to meet you. So you come.